Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, here to catch up on a few news stories that uh, took place this past week, kind of to give our thoughts on them. Also talk about and give our three bold predictions for the year 2024, as we do toward the start of every year. Um, I tried for the life of me to find ours from last year. I thought I had them saved on my computer somewhere, but I did not, so I can't even go over those, so I apologize. And also we're going to do and give our... Our three predictions for who we think will be male, female, and tag team of the year come the end of 2024. So all of that to look forward to on today's show. Uh, to start this week, we're going to go over to AEW and go to the latest Tony Khan Twitter meltdown that took place this past week. Uh, so there was an in-ring segment between Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal and uh Raj Geary, who runs WrestlingInc.com, sent out a tweet uh, talking about the tournament finals, the first ever NXT tournament finals between Jinder and Seth Rollins. And the USA Network Twitter uh, feed responded to it with, with what was the cage match rating, which, of course, is a reference to Tony Khan, who brings up, who I think in a press conference for the last pay-per-view brought up cage match ratings as how AEW is doing good. So sure enough, our, our, our AEW's beloved leader, Tony Khan, logged into Twitter and talked about how he responded with that it's a, a double standard that Hook, who is 28-1, uh, calls out the champ and his, uh, his challenge sparks outrage online. And then he says, Jinder has lost, has literally lost every single match he's in for the past year, immediately gets a title shot, where is the rage? And then um, he subtweeted the uh, USA Network tweet about the cage match ratings where he said, a moral victory for USA is one win more than their world title challenger Jinder Mahal has in the past 364 days because it's been literally a full year since he won a match. You really put AEW in our place getting Jinder Mahal in a big match on your TV show. Do it more often. Um, Jinder responded by saying, uh, who the fuck is Hook? Or not, I didn't say fuck, but like, who is Hook? Watch Raw on Mondays, which I thought was hilarious. And uh, Jinder kind of... Uh, I think he was on the bump their bump show this past week and kind of like, I'm the talk of the town now, which is just hilarious because like, yeah, Tony Khan is giving Jinder Mahal more pub than any WWE show has done recently. I'm going to laugh if his match does the highest rating of the, uh, of raw this coming Monday. And I know I've also seen people putting videos on Reddit using like the monster song they use for Daniel Bryan. Um, I think I saw my sacrifice one as well too, for Jinder Mahal. So, just a big giant mess here that Tony Khan once again created for himself. Um, Cam, I'll go over to you first. Just what were your thoughts when you saw all these tweets over the last week? I think my favorite one was from WWE creative ish on Twitter. That's uh, appeared on this, this podcast before where he said, maybe when AEW fails, we should hire Tony Khan to wrote our social media. Cause they, he built up this match better than we ever could. So um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, Tony's just kind of grasping at straws, even though Warner Brothers did uh, praise them for helping build uh, AEW, help build Warner Brothers presence, which I mean, I don't know if that was like if Tony's dad slipped him a few million bucks and they're like, hey, could you say something good about the company while, during your guys' uh, press conference? And they're like, yeah, sure. Just, you know, give us some money. It's like, all right. Um, of course, the biggest troll is WWE making fun of the Jaguars missing the playoffs, which was just fucking epically hilarious. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I think, I mean, we've said it, we've talked about it before. I think Tony should, should just stick booking. I think the WWE knows they can just get inside this guy's head so easily. And, you know, it's easy for them to kind of make both of them. But, you know, Tony has some problems 
on his hands, not personal or anything like that, but he has problems with how AEW has been going the last few weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about it, you know, the last few months in general. And I think he should just to stick to booking, you know, if you want to, that's what burners are for, man, you know, like hit up Kevin Durant. He knows all about burners and stuff. Yeah. At this point, somebody like Tony Khan needs like a double verification when he logs into Twitter. So somebody else can also be there when he's logging in to make sure he's not tweeting stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I, I would I, say his iPhone, his iPhone, his iPhone should be able to detect if he's been doing drugs or drinking alcohol, and then they won't unlock Twitter for him. <laughs> like Twitter stays locked. If he's been drinking alcohol or doing cocaine, put a breathalyzer in, into his actual phone and blow into it. I mean, there's all these kinds of technology advances nowadays. I'm sure you could do something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he really needs somebody to tell him just like, you know, get off social media. And like the, the things you see from the people trying to defend it is like, well, you know, Vince and Eric Bischoff did the same kind of stuff, you know, back in the day, when Eric Bischoff was trashing Nitro and Vince was doing like the Nacho Man and the and the Huckster kind of things uh, when he was doing, I think that was like a 96 when they were going after the WCW guys for being old. But it's like, in the end, like Vince, and at least definitely Vince was still a leader and like was the boss and had strict rules and, you know, laid down the law when he needed to. I, I think, I guess you could maybe say Eric Bischoff was like that too. I mean, I think he was probably more laid back, but... Like Tony Khan, like just does not come off as a leader here at all. Like you're you're going after the competition and you're clearly punching up because WWE is on the uptrend and AEW continues to be on the downtrend. You're giving Jinder Mahal um, more publicity than he's gotten in the last year. Uh, like I said, I don't really didn't see where the outrage was for Hook challenging Samoa Joe. I mean, I don't I'm not that deep into the online wrestling world that I could have seen that I saw any of that. So I don't really think anybody was really talking about it. And like Cam said, like it's just so apparent now to anybody that's related to pro wrestling or WWE that the smallest little thing you say about AEW is going to set Tony Khan off. And at some point he's probably going to get himself into a lot of trouble saying the wrong thing. It's not that hard to say something that offends a lot of people nowadays. And it's it doesn't matter if he tweets it and deletes it five seconds later. Somebody's going to save a screenshot of that because that's how the Internet works. So at some point, he's going to get himself into trouble where he's going to have to talk about it. But, yeah, man, just calm down. Put the phone down. Take, you know, delete your Twitter account for all I care. But, man, just stop making it seem like you're so, like, easily... Agitated by anything, anybody that comes after your company, uh, Chairman. What are your thoughts when you saw all this? Oh, I was laughing. It was just laughing. It's hilarious. Like it's like you said before. I didn't see anyone really see anything about Hook getting a title shot, and it's like, okay, he brings up Hook's win loss record. I'm like, did you do away with win loss rankings? Which I thought was a good idea at the time when they came out, and then they just stopped doing them. So I'm like, okay, but then again, he didn't respect them anyway or use them in any shape or form. So whatever. But, you know, Hook gets a title shot. Cool. It's on Dynamite. Whatever. Do we expect Mojo to drop the title already? No. Is it going to be a good opportunity for Hook? Yes. I didn't see no outrage there. Jinder Mahal, big promo spot with The Rock a couple weeks ago. And, yes, it is disgusting to admit he is a former world champion. And, you know, when we saw him come out, we all laughed about it, you know. And then, you know, now he finds himself in a match with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a fighting champion. He's defended that title against how many people and how many different Raws. Do we really think that Seth Rollins is going to drop the title to Jinder Mahal? No. It's just enhancing their title reign because Seth's a fighting champion. And thanks to Tony Khan, Jinder Mahal is, like, trending on X. He's basically going to probably have a career resurrection. 
WWE's getting free advertising basically because Tony's going off the deep end now. Like Jinder Mahal hasn't peaked in this popularity since probably 2017. He might even be more popular now than ever. Like Jinder Mahal collectibles will probably be on the rise. He's probably going to get a WrestleMania match out of this. Like Jinder Mahal is going to have a, the, probably the breakout of 2024 and no one saw it coming. All thanks to Tony Khan going off the deep end. He should worry less about WWE and probably worry more about TNA's rebranding because that's a sleeper this year that might take AEW down. And not only that, I got to state all this too. Good for Jinder Mahal. I mean, I've met Jinder Mahal when he was with 3MB at a WrestleMania Access signing. The guy couldn't have been the ni- any more nicer. He was seriously the nicest guy I met all WrestleMania weekend. He just went out of your way to talk to you. It actually seemed like he cared and he wanted to be there. So, I- Kudos to Jinder Mahal for getting this little bit of a rub here that he's getting now, thanks to Tony Khan and all, all of his name being in the in the news this week. I am looking forward to Heath Slater coming back and Seth completing the, the 3MB trifecta here at some point in 2024 20, too as well. Um, also on AEW TV this week, it seems like we have confirmation of what Sting's last match is going to be at um, AEW Revolution, and it looks like it's going to be against the Young Bucks. Uh, after Sting and Darby Allen won their match this past uh, Wednesday on Dynamite, uh, you had Tony Trevani was in the ring asking about his last match, and then the Young Bucks came out dressed in black and white and with these really stupid mustaches, and it seems like that's going to be the final match for Sting. Uh, and apparently it was the choice of Sting, uh, he, wanted, he apparently had enjoyed working with the Young Bucks at uh, that trios match they had at the name, which pay-per-view was it? Um, uh, Forbidden Door uh, last year. Or in 2022, excuse me. But I don't know, man. Like, I don't get, like, like listen, if this is Sting's choice, that's great. Sting made up his mind. I have all the respect in the world for Sting. But I just wish, I mean, I know all of his like longtime opponents he can't fight anymore you know vader's dead rick rude is dead um lex luger couldn't wrestle if he wanted to rick flair could but it'd be awful like i get it like you're not going to find somebody from sting's glory days for him to wrestle uh but i don't know this is something rubs me wrong about the young bucks getting this match uh apparently it was they were brought back sooner than they were expected to because they didn't plan on bringing uh the young bucks back until sting asked them for this match with him and darby allen by the way darby allen took that bump this past wednesday where his neck ricocheted off the bottom rope guys got to calm down man like you're not going to be wrestling in three years if you're going to keep doing that uh, but I just wish somebody was wrestling in Sting's final match that would get the rub from being Sting's final match. Like, the Young Bucks don't get any kind of rub from being in this match. The Young Bucks aren't going to get, like, you know, uh, yeah, the Young Bucks are going to make Sting look great by bumping around. Nobody really cares about that in Sting's last match. It's Sting's last match. That's what you care about. He could go out there and wrestle for five minutes. I think people will care and do all of his big spots. But I am just not a fan of the Young Bucks getting this match when I think somebody, like, I mean, fuck, like an FTR might be better. Um younger guys on the roster like Ricky Starks and uh, whatever, or uh, uh, Big Bill, whatever he calls himself now, like give him a tag title shot in their last match and Sting could retire as a champion, that kind of thing. Uh, Give Sting an international title shot. Give Sting a uh, TNT title shot. I don't know, but something just about Sting fighting the Young Bucks rugs me the wrong way. And the fact that they weren't even on TV anymore uh, leading up to this and just decided to come back for this, I'm not a big fan of. Um, what are your thoughts, Cam, as far as uh, uh, Sting getting his final match against the Young Bucks? I mean, I have mixed emotions because I mean, I on the I had an outside thought that they were going to do a one-on-one at least, and I didn't know I didn't want to see Darby Nestler 
necessarily turn on Sting. I wanted to see Darby Sting say, hey, man, you know, I've been with you since, you know, it's been me and you the whole time in my AEW career. You know, I want to wrestle Darby Allen. I want to, you know, something along those lines. And they just have a good old fashioned like babyface versus babyface match. Um, and that and Darby goes over and that's how Sting goes out with like, you know, 10 minute match. And Darby fucking does something stupid. And you talk about Tony Khan again real quick about him mentioning that they are like the safest company in wrestling history or what sports history or whatever. And it's like, dude, you've been around for five years. Like, of course you're going to have better statistics than places that have been around forever. But yet he lets Darby Allen commit almost suicide every single week on a show that draws less than a million people. Anyways. Um, so I have mixed feelings about that, but since it has to be a tag match, I mean, you say FTR, I love FTR, but they're barely on TV. They're on collision. I think they were just on collision and they try to build it up on Twitter about them. You know, this match is important. And it's like, dude, like, no, it's not. And you guys should just go back to the WWE. It makes no sense. I mean, I know tag team wrestling isn't the best there, but at least you would be on TV every single week involved in tag team matchups with judgment day and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bucks, I mean, they surprisingly are going to show up on another list of, of mine, uh, coming up that, you know, it's, it's kind of the balls in their court. You know what I mean? Like this is their heel turn. This is, this is a different young bucks cause they've been heels on the Indies and ring of honor before, but you know, this is like a different side to them or whatever. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now. And I guess, you know, just by status quo, cause there's no one really, you know, you know, Justin, you say someone getting the rub from him and other than Darby, like who that stings involved with. I mean, I guess they could have done big bill and Ricky Starks, like you said, or they could have done something else. But at the same time, it's like there's no one really that they could do. I mean, fucking Flair was gas getting in the ring, so Rick doesn't have any more matches in him for sure. Um, so I mean, it is what it is, and we'll see if this is the start of like a really good hill run for the Bucks. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Chairman? Yeah, I'm definitely disappointed when I heard that. This reminds me of like Kurt Angle and Born Corbin vibes here. Like, this is the best we can do for this legend is like the young bucks like young bucks are tag team specialists sting i mean obviously he probably this is probably all sting's call which is i totally respect sting and that's what he wants to do that's fine it just feels like young bucks almost using their evp powers to slam their way into this it's just the vibes i get i don't know i just feel like you know there's just so many better opportunities that could have been there like i would have been totally fine if they would have just did Sting and Darby one-on-one, kind of like a passing of the torch respect match. That would have been kind of cool in my book. I mean, I'm just trying to think, you know, I don't know if him and John Moxley threw down. I mean, that could have been interesting. I mean, MJF's injured or not under even contract even. I don't think, you know, Kenny Omega got hurt. So, I mean, there's some people that could have been good, interesting options. I don't mean, it's just kind of disappointing how it's going down this way, but it is what it is. Um, I mean, it's too bad uh, Tony didn't tweak out and try to sign Mark Calloway because, you know, everybody wants that Sting-Undertaker match, which obviously will never, ever happen in AEW. But uh, who knows? Maybe Sting will leave AEW and go to WWE for a real retirement match and we get Mark Calloway back and we can have the Boneyard match between those two once and for all. 
yeah. I mean, hell, you could have gotten if you want to go to Sting's TNA roots. Hey, he's Samoa Joe's there. Kurt Angle, or you could have got called Kurt Angle. You got Christian who's there. Um, not AJ Styles. Jeff Jarrett's around. You could have done Sting Jeff Jarrett again. Uh, yeah. I mean, all, all I know is that I'm just going to assume this match is going to end with Ric Flair trying to turn on Sting like every other time Ric Flair and Sting have ever been uh, uh, friends together in the time in the world of professional wrestling. So I'm assuming we're probably going to get something like that, though it backfires this time. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, my thoughts on the Young Bucks, if you listen to this show all the time, you know what my thoughts are on the Young Bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, if this is what Sting wants, fine, fine. But I guess maybe just from a personal perspective, I just would have much rather preferred something else other than the Young Bucks getting uh, this spot. Um, not really much else AEW related uh, to talk about here. We touched on a little bit of the last week as far as the thoughts about maybe Mercedes Monet signing. Um, one thing we didn't talk about is uh, Andrade more than likely going back to the WWE. His contract with AEW is up. Obviously, his wife, Charlotte, is in WWE. It makes logical sense. You know what? Now that I'm talking this out in my head, we did talk about this last week. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and skip that. Uh, the one thing, uh, Cam, you were not here last week. Uh, obviously, the big news a couple weeks ago was The Rock's return and Rock bringing up that he wants to sit at the head of the table and obviously teasing Rock, Roman Reigns, more than likely for WrestleMania 40. Uh, just, Cam, what are your thoughts when you heard and saw all that happen? I mean, I guess it's about time. Um, the Rock, again, will also show up in uh, something we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, I mean, it's about time. I think that I thought we are going to get it done last year. They did it with Cody. So this year, you know, I mean, there's still there's plenty of things at play. You know, I think that, I mean, if if, if Triple H was smart, this shouldn't be for the title. So, I mean, Roman should probably lose the belt at, at WrestleMania or at the Royal Rumble. I mean, lose it to any one of those guys and it's completely fine. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Maybe have the rematch in Australia, even though he's not booked for Australia, whatever. But it'll probably be for the title, and Roman's probably going to be for the champion, you know, through another year. So there, I don't know if we're going to get to Bruno San Martino level with this guy, but it is what it is. You know, the Rock looked gas, you know, fucking hitting the people's elbow on, on Jinder Mahal. So um, we'll see. You know, the last time he wrestled, he did have to get into shape, so he's going to have to hit that gym. He, he looks like a a Greek God, but he has no stamina and you know, him and Roman got to go at least 30, 40 minutes. So Roman rock needs to hit that treadmill and stop taking steroids. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I remember how gassed he was after the first scene of match. And even after the second one, he was still gassed after that too. Like I, you're, you're, I know you like tweeting videos or Instagramming videos of yourself in the gym, uh, at five in the morning, but make sure it's also going to be a little extra cardio as well going on in there. Uh, another, one thing I want to talk about is, um, our truth and the judgment day, man, this stuff has just been freaking hilarious ever since it started. Um, our truth just knows his role. He plays it perfectly. That video they did this past Monday on raw with our truth, you know, talking about always wanting to be in judgment day and the baby, our truth people or the baby, our truth, but like the baby, uh, judgment day, uh, photo that he had, and just them walking across Abbey road, like with our truth photo posted in there has been great. And you could tell watching the video right afterwards that you, know, you could see Damian Priest look like he was breaking practically the same thing with Dominic too. He was breaking, just laughing from it so much. Uh, I don't know what the end game of this, this whole angle is, but I'm, I, they've done it so far where they haven't overdone it yet. They're giving it just the right amount of time. Um, I don't think judgment day is coming off looking badly in this at all whatsoever. You know, it's just our truth being our truth. And I, 
it hasn't been overexposed where I think if this was Vince McMahon's WWE, we'd be worried about this already getting way too much time and we're beating it to death. But I just think this has been hilarious. Maybe it ends with R-Truth finding a tag team partner going after Finn and Damian Priest for the tag titles. If they finally make, maybe give him a beatdown. Uh, I know DIYs wants to currently challenge for the tag titles as well, but I mean, props to everybody involved in this angle so far. Um, you have any thoughts on it, Chairman? Oh, this is the best stuff right here. Like, our truth is just ridiculous and hilarious and always has been. But, like, this is, like, next-level stuff. Like, they got merch moving because of this now. Like, he's got two T-shirts with out there, and I think they're the top two in WWE shop right now. Like, they're making money off this. Like, if there's money to be made then this angle can go far. Like, this is definitely giving me Sami Zayn bloodline vibes, but a whole new level, because R-Truth is just absolutely ridiculous. This is how he is. And, I mean, I don't know what the end game is, like you said. I mean, I could definitely see him and Miz teaming up. Awesome Truth is back. We see them. And maybe they go for the tag titles at Mania. You know, I'm hoping it doesn't end sooner than later, though, because I just love all the interactions on social media, too. Like, Priest just retweeting his life out and really shaking his head. And Finn's just like, what the hell? And JD's just a little bitch. He's not judging anymore, despite what he says. He lost that match. We all saw it. So, keep this momentum train going. How about you, Cam? What are your thoughts on R-Truth and the Judgment Day? I mean, yeah, it's been phenomenal. I mean, in my head, it, it ends with Miz and, and R-Truth reuniting and beating uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest at WrestleMania and maybe even a cash later that night from Damian Priest, who knows um, but yeah, I think that it's been awesome obviously and then they'll ride it out and I think they've been doing a great job and yeah, they passed, if you're if they passed up CM Punk's like return shirts and Hell Froze Over shirts and things like that um, you know they're doing a great job and so yeah, you know, kudos to them and like I said yeah, I think they'll ride this out for a while R-Truth will probably cost somebody a their spot in the Royal Rumble and they'll, they'll ride this out for for a good amount of time and I think there'll be a nice baby face ending for it in the end at Wrestlemania yeah so we also had uh, this past week on Raw we had a CM Punk Drew McIntyre interaction which I thought was uh, a very well done given McIntyre I thought it was the best McIntyre it's been on the mic in, in a pretty long time uh, and, you know, it made me interested in a uh, CM Punk Drew McIntyre match at some point. Um, so uh, good good job there. We also had a Rhea Nia Jax promo interaction, which it makes it seem like, uh, you know, Nia was talking about winning the Rumble. So I don't guess that means Rhea's probably not fighting Nia Jax at uh, the Royal Rumble like I thought they were going to end up doing uh, for the, the Raw Women's title. So that's not going to happen. But, I mean... <laughs> I don't think Nia Jax is going to win the Rumble. I really don't hope Nia Jax is going to win the Rumble. That's the last thing I want to see. Um, but it just seems like everybody, like, is getting, like, somebody always feels, if something always feels important every single time there's a segment in WWE. I mean, you had Jay Uso interacting with Bronson Reed. You had Ludwig Kaiser beat the crap out of Kofi Kingston for injuring his partner last week, which made me care about Ludwig Kaiser more than I've ever seen, ever cared about him in the WWE at all. So, you know, that makes me seem like somebody cares. I mean, hell, you know, I'm not a very big fan of Caden Carter and Katana Chance, but they're giving them time. They're letting them do something. Uh, so, you know, 
they're they feel important. Like it feels like everybody nowadays has a purpose on a WWE show, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, even NXT. The stuff, the brief stuff I watched from NXT. It just feels like there's always a story or a purpose to everything. Where it seems like AEW always just says we're just gonna put two good wrestlers together and have them have a good match. Fine, I have no problem with that. But in the end, it doesn't seem like that match means anything other than those two guys had a good match and cool. Like, I think that's the big difference nowadays with what we're seeing between WWE and AEW. Uh, Chairman, do you want to give any thoughts before we move on to the second half of the show on that or anything else in, in WWE or AEW? Oh, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, it's just, I feel like every piece of the puzzle has been properly put on by, you know, WWE. Like, you know, they got big shows coming up. You know, Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber in Australia, WrestleMania. And all these little side stories, like Ludwig Kaiser, who I think is going to have a breakout this year. And I think, you know, you have Guther coming back, I believe, next week. So, I mean, who knows where that's going to go. Um, you know, just Kofi Kingston still trying to carry on about the New Day, and he's getting destroyed, absolutely just destroyed. You know, you got, you know, the women's tag division is getting hot. I absolutely hate the champs that are now. Chelsea Green deserves better. But, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on right now, and – you know, Cody still has to finish the story. How about you, Cam? Any thoughts before we move on? No, I think Raw's been pretty good the last few weeks. Cody and Shinsuke was a pretty good match last week. Um, you know, I think the WWE, they're, everything flows is flowing pretty well right now, so I think they're riding a good high. So, you know, like Chairman said, we got you got Rumble and Mania right around the corner. So I think, you know, all, all eyes are on, on uh, WWE right now. All right, that's going to move us in now to the second half of the show, where we're going to start with, like I said, as we do every year, giving our three bold predictions uh, at the start of every year. And we try to see if they come true at the end. Like I said, I, for the life of me, and I apologize, I cannot find last year's anywhere on stuff I have saved for this podcast. So I don't know what I did with it or if I got lost. But I cannot recap last year's. I don't even remember at this point what mine was. But I'm saving it now, so as long as my computer doesn't crash, uh, we should be able to look back on these a year from now. Uh, I'll start. I'll go number one. Um, I'm going to go with that. I think, and I don't know why, this is a gut feeling, that WWE and New Japan are going to have some kind of working relationship by the end of the year. Uh, I know there's talk that they're working with All Japan, and maybe they want to do a, a All Japan, like a WWE NXT with their help. Part of me just thinks, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi, I think, is the president now over there. Um you know, I don't think him and Triple H have history, but it seems like I could see Tanahashi being somebody more open to this, especially if AEW's downswing keeps going. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's any kind of like anything in writing that has AEW and New Japan having a relationship like that. But I'm going to go ahead and say that I think at some point by the end of 2024 that New Japan and WWE are going to have uh, a working relationship, a talent exchange where we might see, you know, some New Japan wrestlers on WWE TV. Maybe you'll see a couple WWE guys in the G1 at some point. But I, just just a random hunch that I have that I'm going to go with there. So I'll that's my first one. Uh, Cam, why don't you go next and give us your first one? Uh, I'm going to go out and say that The Rock wrestles two matches in 2024. Not just one, but wrestles two matches. One at WrestleMania and one at SummerSlam. Oh, man, I thought for sure you were going to say Saudi Arabia, but I don't think The Rock would go over there and work Saudi Arabia. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, I 
I, yeah, I mean, it depends on the Rock's movie schedule, obviously, but I think SummerSlam being, uh, there's not an official place for SummerSlam yet. We've discovered that last week, but it's uh, probably going to be another big stadium show, so I can actually see him do that. Uh, Chairman, why don't you go ahead and give us one of yours? Well, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to stick on this horse. AEW is done. It sees operations. Tony just goes off the deep end. Can't afford nobody. They lose the network. Everyone goes to Impact or TNA, where they call themselves now. Wow. Yeah, that is a definitely a big one. Um, yeah, by the way, a quick thing about TNA. I saw their new world title design, and I love it. It might be my new favorite belt now in pro wrestling. That thing looked great. Like, the little red it has for the TNA logo in the middle. Uh, I think it looks really good. Uh, all right, I'm going to go now for my second one here. Um I'm going to go ahead and say that Chris Jericho retires in the year 2024. I don't think he's adding a lot to AEW TV anymore. Uh, like we talked about when AEW first started, like it, Chris Jericho, great name to have to get your company off the ground. Uh, you know, he's a name. He can get people in. Great. But over the last couple of years, he just hasn't done anything or at all worthwhile, I think, at least in the in AEW. And I could see him hanging up the boots. You know, he's oh, I think he's in his 50s now. Um, you know, he obviously he's got Fozzie still. He's a guy that, you know, there was some controversy about him last couple weeks ago. We didn't really talk about, but nothing was ever confirmed. So we didn't really talk about it. But I can see Chris Jericho hanging up the boots in the year 2024. Maybe he gets his final match at um, All Out Weekend, or you know, maybe he comes back and wrestles WrestleMania next year. So I guess that wouldn't be officially retiring, but I think Chris Jericho at least is done in AEW slash retiring in 2024. Uh, back over to you, Cam. All right, I'm gonna go out and say that Sami Zayn dethrones Gunther at this year's SummerSlam. So Gunther's gonna keep the title for most of the year, and then Sami Zayn will step in and get a huge babyface ovation as he. Def- defeats Gunther for the first time in like two years. Yeah, that's also a big speculation too. Who is going to be Gunther uh, for the Intercontinental title? Like you said, he's coming back, I believe, this week after he had some visa issues and I believe he had his first child. So who he wrestles at WrestleMania is going to be most interesting to me. I still think I'd love to see Brock Lesnar challenge for the Intercontinental title just because I think that would be like weird seeing Brock Lesnar saying he wants the Intercontinental title. But yeah, all right, uh, let's go to Chairman for your second one. Ooh, so many choices, but uh, we're going to get roll bold here. <clears throat> AJ Lee wins a women's championship belt in 2024. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's been speculation about that a lot. Um, you know, Bailey's brought her up. Um, I could see her making a comeback with her husband, CM Punk, on Raw. Absolutely could see something like that happening. Um, I'm debating between two here for my final one. Uh, why not? Fuck, I'm just going to get both of them. I mean, uh, my first one was going to be that NXT, once NXT uh, gets on the CW this year, that they consistently beat AEW in the ratings. Um, I know it's network TV compared to cable TV, but it's still NXT, and it doesn't have that big of a following. Um so I think you're going to see NXT constantly beating AEW when it starts in April or October, excuse me. Um, my other one was going to be that I think Rhea Ripley holds the women's title all the way through 2024. Um, you know, I think she's going to get a match with Becky at WrestleMania. Uh, obviously, she's going to fight Nia too, but I just don't know. I don't think there's anybody. I love Becky, but I don't think her beating Rhea does anything. I think, you know, we talk about this all the time. Who's going to beat Gunther to get the rub? Like Cam thinks it's Sami Zayn. Same thing for me. Who's going to beat Rhea to get the rub? I don't know. 
and at this point, I don't see anybody there to do it. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to go with my, I had four written down and I couldn't figure out what I want to do for my third one. So I'm just going to say both. NXT beats AEW in the ratings when it starts on the CW and Rhea Ripley holds the women's title all the way through 2024. Uh, Cam, let's go ahead and give us your last one or anything extra you want to give us too. Uh, I'm going to go kind of bold because I don't know the contract situation, but I'm going to say Hangman Adam Page debuts in the WWE. Um, I think that Hangman just doesn't get used at all in AEW, and at some point he's got to got to get away from that place and go get booked somewhere else. So maybe if it's not WWE, Impact, New Japan, but I think uh, Hangman Page is done with AEW in 2024. Just keep him away from CM Punk in the locker room. I guess that means he has to be on SmackDown, which I'm sure is fine. Uh, all right, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and give us your last one? <clears throat> you know, the funny thing is I actually thought about that Rhea Ripley one. That's a good one. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to get spicy. John Cena fulfills the prophecy of getting the title he's never, ever had, the Intercontinental title, and he beats Gunther. All right. I guess I'm the only one who didn't want to pick somebody to beat Gunther, but I stuck with Rhea Ripley there. All right. Man, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, the only title, single major singles title in WWE that he's never held. Uh, that that would be an interesting WrestleMania match. I mean, hell, Cena brings his working boots nowadays, especially when he he wrestles one match a year and doesn't look as gassed as The Rock does doing a uh, one-minute spot with Jinder Mahal. So I could absolutely see that something like that happening and have it being a good match, too. All right, so as I said, so that's the first part. And the second part where we're going to talk about and do is kind of give early predictions on who we think are going to be the tag team of the year in 2024, the female wrestler of the year in the 2024 and the male wrestler of the year in 2024. Um, so let's start with the uh, tag team of the year in 2024. Um, Cam, I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. I think their backs are against the wall. I think the entire company is backs against the wall. So I think the young bucks, I'm predicting them to bounce back. And, you know, I, I've liked the young bucks back, back in the day. And I big fan of those guys. Um, and like the last few years have just kind of been shitty. So I think I'm kind of betting on them this year to maybe get their heads on straight, realize, Hey man, this company, you know, we got guys out here, people out here predicting the company's going to go under. We need to, bring our a game and we need to bring some focus back to tag team wrestling and we need to bring some focus back to the main event level. You know, if Kenny gets better, you know, or anybody or add someone to the group or actually push hangman and have my prediction of him leaving the company, not come true and have hangman rise back up to the top. So I think it's uh, the ball's kind of in their court. It's kind of put up or shut up time for them. All right. And chairman, who are you going to go with your tag early prediction? <clears throat> I got three, but, there's two that are young and up and coming. We've talked about them time and time again. I mean, pretty deadly and the Cree brothers definitely up and coming, but the one I like the most, they're really not officially back together yet. They did some stuff from the side. We've talked about them earlier. Awesome truth. I think, you know, this goes back to what we said before. Miz and our truth once the judgment day pretty much gets it through our truth's head and it's done. Our truth's obviously moving the merch. So they'll really some awesome truth shirts and they'll just take off as tag champions. And they'll run the tag division, and they will be hilariously fun. And this will get Miz involved in something to do. Because, I mean, let's be real, Miz is probably not going to be in the main event scene. And how many more times can you do the Intercontinental U.S. title thing? I think a tag team running out of truth with the titles could be great for both of these veterans and help get some young teams established, like DIY or the teams I mentioned earlier. So let's go with that. 
All right, and you actually mentioned the team that I'm picking to go ahead and give my early prediction for. I'm going to say the Creed Brothers. Um, I love their stuff in NXT. As I said before, they were the one thing I always tried to make time for when I watched NXT, when I watched what I did in NXT because I thought their matches were great. Uh, their athleticism is awesome. I think there's probably big things planned for them in 2024. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give me them their my early pick. Uh, let's move on now to uh, women wrestler of 2024. Uh, Chairman, I'll let you start first on this one. As much as it kills me that I'm not going to pick Rhea Ripley, but I think I want to give it to somebody else that could break out. Someone we haven't seen yet in WWE, but I think we will. And that's Jade Cargill. Like, she has the character. We all know this. I think with some work with the Triple H and the NXT people, you know, once they get her up to Raw or SmackDown, She's going to be a megastar. She's going to do big things. And I think she's going to put herself right in that main event scene. Interesting call there. Uh, I like it. I'm going to go with, I don't know why, but I have a feeling something big is pegged for Bailey in 2024. Um, I think she's going to end up kick, getting kicked out of damage control. I think she's a good favorite to win the Royal Rumble. Um, I think she could be a favorite to dethrone EO Sky for the women's title. It's been a while since she had a women's uh, title. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think once she turns he once she gets kicked out of Judgment Day and presumably gets a face turn, um, I think the crowd could definitely get behind her. I don't, I don't think she's going back to her wacky waving two, uh, two men, but I just got a feeling that it's something the crowd could get behind, and I, it's just like a gut feeling that I have that I think Bailey could be in store for big things in 2024. So she is going to be my early pick. Uh, Cam, why don't you finish us off here with the top woman of 2024? So funny because I wrote down two names, Jade Cargill and Bailey, and they both got said. <laughs> um, I was leaning more towards Bailey because I'm not sure. I mean, I assume at some point Jade's going to debut and Triple H and everyone down in NXT and Shawn Michaels and the crew down there are really getting her ready. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if she's actually just going to debut in NXT and stay there for a little bit and then move up to the main roster, maybe early next year. Who knows? Uh, maybe she's the early 2025 favorite to win the Women's Royal Rumble in 2025. Um, but I'm going to go Bailey and I, for the same reason you said, Justin. I think she's going to get kicked out. Um, I think at some point we're going to see not quite. We're going to see like an edgy version of the same thing, the wacky inflatable tube Bailey. We'll see like a little edgier version of that. Um, and I think she'll have a title run, and I think she'll kind of have some matches with, with who, you know, everyone that's on there. And maybe Jade's the one that takes the title from her. Who knows down the road? But yeah, I think both of those women are shaping up to have a good year. And I think Bailey's done great these last few weeks, kind of being like, you know, what? Why am I the one that's not cool anymore? Type of thing. Got a real quick question. How long has it been since Bailey's been a face? I feel like it's been a forever. Uh. Well, she was gone when she came back. Pre-COVID, at least, right? Yeah, because she was gone for a while, and then she did, yeah, COVID-7, then whatever, SummerSlam, what, 2021 is when she came back, right? When they did Judgment judgment Day. Yeah, because she hurt her knee training for WrestleMania or something the year earlier. Yeah, Uh, she she missed the Mania, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely been pre-COVID, which seems like a century ago, but yeah, it's definitely been that long. Um. All right, so those are our male or female early predictions for wrestler of the year in 2024. So now that leads us to our ma- uh, male predictions for wrestler of the year. Um, 
man, I don't know. Like, I could see this as kind of a shakeup. Um, I, the obvious answer to me is still Cody Rhodes. I think you can see people saying that Cody's still going to win the title at some point this year, whether it's, you know, at WrestleMania or not. And I hard-pressed to find anybody else that I think will end up winning it. So I still think no matter what Cody does at WrestleMania, I still think he ends up being the one to have the title by the end of the year. So I'm going to, and Cody constantly puts on good matches. He constantly does good promos. He's the number one baby face in WWE right now. I think it, I don't see anybody taking the throne from Cody Rhodes. I think I, I still think even with the rock Roman reigns at WrestleMania, this is Cody's year. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Cody to be the male wrestler of the year in 2024. Um, by the way, I just real quick, I looked while I was saying that uh, September 2019 is when she turned on Becky Lynch and joined up with Sasha and they became heels. So it's been September 2019 when Bailey turned heel. Um, but yes, otherwise, yes, I'm going with Cody Rhodes as my male wrestler of the year. Uh, Cam, why don't you go ahead and give us yours? So now, are you saying that Cody is going to beat Seth Rollins for the title at WrestleMania? No, because I think Roman's beating Rock at WrestleMania, and I could see Cody winning the title at SummerSlam. Okay, so later that year. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it is tough because I wrote down a few names. For AEW, I wrote down Swerve Strickland. So I just – someone out there because who knows what's up with MJF. Is he taking time off? He's come back to AEW. Is he going to come to WWE? That's kind of too much of a wild card for me. Um, that's why I didn't put in any bold predictions because I have no idea what that guy's going to do. Um, he's taken some well-deserved time off. So AEW, I wrote down Swerve Strickland. It should be the year of Swerve or the year of Hangman, one of those two guys. It should be their year. I like Samojo. Love the guy. But those two guys should be leading your company. Um, we'll see what happens. Now, on like the more important front, I wrote down CM Punk. <clears throat> I think they're kind of just waiting right now with CM Punk. He's back. It's still fresh. I think once the Rumble comes, he probably wins the Rumble. He probably beats Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. He probably defends the title against Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn and some other top guys on Raw. And this is the caveat where it gets him male wrestler of the year. And like I said earlier about The Rock having multiple matches, I think CM Punk gets his back and successfully defeats The Rock and for the WWE title or for the yeah, for the WWE title at SummerSlam. So I think that's where he gets it because he has multiple wins over multiple guys. And I think this is his year and I think that it's a homecoming and I think they're not going to miss on that. And I feel really bad for Cody, but maybe Cody def def defeats Roman. Like you said, it's SummerSlam and SummerSlam is Roman versus Cody and punk versus the rock. And that's, that's humongous. All right. And chairman, who are you going with your pick here? I definitely agree with cam for the swerve Strickland for AEW. Like if he doesn't get the world title this year, Tony Khan's is terrible, but um, you know, Cody's a good one too. I mean, we all know the story. We're all rooting for Cody. And he, if he ends up being the best man for that guy's wedding, now if you guys saw that, he was at a live event and some guy had a sign about being his best man. And Cody's like, can we change it to a weekday? So apparently that might be a thing. So that'd be kind of cool. Good for Cody. He's a, he's a good dude. We all love Cody. But um, CM Punk is the guy I'm going to pick. I think there's big year for him. The homecoming, you know, WWE, the merch is getting moved. You know, whether or not he wins the Rumble, him and Seth's probably happening. And Seth will probably be on hiatus for how long. We don't know how long. I mean, he's clearly got that injury. So I think after Mania, he's probably going to disappear. So 
this means somebody else has to pick up the ball. It's either going to be Cody or CM Punk, and I think it's going to be CM Punk. And it could be an interesting year for both of those guys, Cody and Punk, because what if there's a collision course between those two and one of them ends up turning heel? A heel Cody, a heel CM Punk that we've seen and loved before as champion. So those two in a collision course would be phenomenal. Like if they have their blow-up match at SummerSlam, I'm all for it. So I think we could have a big year of CM Punk. We just have to hope his attitude stays in check and he stays healthy. But every time that man shows up at an event, all eyes are on. People are turning in. So I think he's going to be the guy this year. All right. And that is our show for this week. Uh, we'll be back again next week. We'll probably do some little Royal Rumble history like we always like to do around this time of year. So I'm sure that will be the second half of our show next week. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off and we'll talk to you guys then.